Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. A dollar more. I've seen that picture of the broom on your Facebook page. You know why I won't be listening to I Doubt a Dollar More anymore? Because you're a fucking Golden State Warriors fan. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 678 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, Brittany Page. Are you ready to end your, uh, how many months? I don't know how many months it's been. However many months long boycott of haircuts. (laughs) Boycott. Yes. Is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am ready. Um, Friday. I have an appointment, mm-hmm. and uh, thankfully, luckily, mm-hmm. serendipitously, I guess, the, the place that I get my hair cut is following the rules appropriate enough for me. And what does that mean? Well, I mean, they're only taking appointments. You can't just walk in mm-hmm. uh, because they want to be able to m- m- monitor how many people come in at a time. That's good. Masks are a requirement. Very good. They're just they're they're dealing with things in a a way that makes me comfortable. Yeah. Which you know I'm I'm keeping a mental list of businesses in our area that don't, mm-hmm. and they're not getting my money anymore. Mm-hmm. So happy, and it's been. I asked them on the phone <laughs> when I made the appointment. Mm-hmm. When was the last day? February eighth. Wow. Was the last time I so that's February, March, April, May. June, mm-hmm. four, almost four whole months, and uh, not great. Is that the longest you've ever gone without a haircut? Mm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. I, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it's not good on my hair, yeah. on my mop. It's, uh, it's a nightmare. Yeah. Like, I'm noticing it when I'm looking in, in the camera or afterward when I'm editing. Right. And I've got all these little wispies that are, like, long enough to to peek out from my ears. Yeah. Well, it happens. It happens when you're in quarantine and following the rules. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, we've started to feel a little bit more comfortable as we are in public. It's it's not always a great situation, but I think it's just adapting to the new normal, you know? I, I think that's it too. I don't know if it's any safer, but I I feel less anxiety. Yeah, and I even think the the original cloud that I would feel above me and above everybody else when I was in public seems to have lifted a bit. Like I don't feel like people are Avoiding eye contact as much. Mm, I don't sense yeah. a lot of the hostility oh, among people. I, that uh, it's still there for me. 
Well, I mean, because there's still a lot of fucking rule breakers that I want to do some breaking of my own. You know what I mean? Well, th- I'm not talking about those people. I'm oh. saying like generally in public, right? For among the people who are following Short the tempers rules and stuff. Yeah, just everyone seemed uncomfortable in the beginning. Yeah, right? yeah no yeah. one wanted to look at each other. No one like talked to each other. It was it was tense out yeah, in public. Sure, and that seems to have lifted a bit. It's for sure not back to normal. I don't know what the new normal will look like. I don't think there is going back to normal. I think social distancing and masks in public is just going to be kind of the new normal for a while. And I realize that when we talk about this, we live in Orange County, California. Mm-hmm. And that other people who live in less populous areas may be experiencing something different, although the virus is everywhere. Yeah, well, I was going to say that it's amazing to me because I don't we don't watch local news. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you what channels like the numerical value of the channels local news is on dallas rains yeah the fucking weirdo weather guy like but i don't know i don't know if channel four or six or nine or i don't know oh hitting the mic so but what baffles me or surprises me is how many fucking ding-dongs are coming out of orange county all these stories Mm -hmm. like yesterday this video was going crazy on twitter of some maniac lady who's tearing down like a like a, a remembrance or a memorial to George Floyd screaming about fucking George Soros and shit mm-hmm. and Antifa. Mm-hmm. Like just, and she's like a bartender in Huntington beach. Yeah. The lady who was at the, at the, the grocery store, the Wegmans or whatever mm-hmm. that was right here. Mm-hmm. The, the communism, communism equals say social distance or whatever. That was in Huntington. Mm-hmm. The, the Baskin Robbins people. All this happens right here. Mm-hmm. We're like ground zero for dipshits. Well, there, there's also a, a pretty large white supremacist population yeah, uh, in Southern sure. California. People like to think that the racists only live in like red states and in rural areas. Or they all and, move from here to Idaho. Well, and that's <laughs> and that's just certainly not the case. I mean, that's what my parents did. Yeah, right? for sure. But that's. That's racists are everywhere. Right. And I think that this is a a teaching moment for people. Right. Is to understand that you can point to someone probably who is more racist than you. Right. Explicitly by using racial slurs or being an active white supremacist. But we're starting to see that racism is pervasive in this country. And it isn't just those explicit displays that you see from people that are out protesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's uh, systemic issues in our institutions but we'll get to that in a bit we uh, as a part of feeling more comfortable out in public we have been checking the p.o box more often yes and we got a gift from carly in texas Mm -hmm. and it is different types of honey from uncommon bee farm and i like how it says on here let me find it if you want to know if your honey is real know your beekeeper well, we don't know this beekeeper, but I'm assuming... We'll just... We'll trust. He's on the up and up. Well, we'll he's trust. on the up and up for me because it's all like spicy honey. Yeah. So we have jalapeno infused, habanero infused, yes. ancho infused, and cayenne infused honey. Uh, we haven't tried it yet. We have not. But it also came with a little... Uh, a little honeycomb. A little like a... Stir thing. Yeah, like a like a honey... Like when, when you see it in the commercials and it's got the... The bulbous thing on the end to, like, drip the honey off of. Yeah. Oh, fancy. 
So thank you, Carly. Thank you very much. People people often ask, and I I wonder if Carly meant this present just for you. Um, but people often ask if I can also handle spice or if I also enjoy spice. Can I answer? Um, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. But I. So I've always liked spicy food, and I know this story is going to sound stupid, but when I was <laughs> when I was a teenager and first discovered sushi, I used to get the wasabi and a little ramekin of sriracha, and I would just roll my rolls in sriracha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just cover them in sriracha and then eat them. You were a kid. And, you know, so I was just eating sriracha rolls. I mean, sriracha just... <laughs> consumes the flavor of yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. it takes on the flavor anyway so that was like where i started but that was where i loved spicy food then you are the one who cooks in the household mm-hmm. and you use a lot of spice and so i have ratcheted up <laughs> my ability to handle the spice it just it's an acclimation process it just happens right and over time i have acclimated and now i can handle pretty substantial we, spice we've had people over for dinner we may have talked about this before but we've had people over for dinner who talk like they're big bad spice mongers who are in pain and you and i are both looking at you like this is kind of a normal night this isn't crazy yeah i mean i still get i still experience pain but it is enjoyable that's the yeah that's the it it is enjoyable yeah and it almost you miss it when you're eating food that isn't spicy yes you know and and i i love it i absolutely love it but but (laughs) one of my favorite things that you make is the what is it the chicken the, the basil chicken thai basil chicken yeah yeah and you make that super spicy, and that's really good. Yes. Yes. Yes, Very indeed. Nice. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thank you, Carly. We appreciate... Listen, who's going to... Like, oh, well, we feel weird about getting gifts. We fucking love getting gifts. We do. It's a good fucking time, everybody. You know, Carly also wrote us and asked us a question uh, about whether or not something became a drop on the show. And it was the the drop that we have on the show... About look at you with your your jokes. Oh yeah, look at you with your fucking jokes. Yeah. So I guess she's she's going back through the catalog and listening to old episodes, which is not great, Carly. What stop. do you mean? And um, she she heard that and she's like, that should be a drop. It is a drop. Look at you so with good, your fucking jokes. Good thinking, Carly. <laughs> you're you're uh you're right on track with us because we thought it should be a drop too. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's let's move on. Uh, we got some listener calls to get to before we move and press forward with the program. Um, obviously, the the bulk of the communication we're getting right now, both by way of voicemails and emails, is dealing with our present situation that we're facing as a nation with the the death of George Floyd and the subsequent justified protests and demonstrations that have happened. Really happily, it, it warms my heart all across the country. Something like 6,000 people. That probably sounded a little lispy. 6,000 people showed up at the boy, at the Idaho State Capitol in Boise. The whitest city, the whitest goddamn state in the union. People are resonating with the message right now. People are Hopefully, finally, 
fed the fuck up. I also, and I said this last time, I I have felt like this was different this time. Yeah. And you can point to different things that feel disingenuous, right? Different companies making statements. I got an email from Uber today. Yeah. Um, the Blackout Tuesday movement on Instagram. Yeah. But I, I do have to say, right, when I'm getting an email from every company that emails me with a, a message about Black Lives Matter and links to donate to different organizations in support of the cause... That tells me something, right? Whether it's pandering or not, there is pressure on companies to take a side right now. They see it. It's a sea change. Right. To come out as anti-racist and to make it known to your customers, which is going to risk losing you certain types of customers. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And whether or not it's pandering, you know, I I feel like, wow, what a message that is being sent, right? It's certainly not silencing a lot of the turds, but... But, you know, I, I think it is creating probably yeah. some shifts where we're not seeing it. But there has to be some questioning going on in some people who have been thus far resistant to change thinking, oh, shit, this is really a shift and I need to do some serious thinking here. And whether or not that change is <laughs> prompted through shame and guilt, you know, hopefully yeah. hopefully they get on with the change. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, well, let's get on with some listener communication. See what I did there? Mm-hmm. Hi, guys. Um, I'm a long-time listener. I don't think I've ever called in. I have written in once. Um, but I'm just calling to talk about everything that's with George Floyd and to talk about um, racism in our culture. And I just wanted to call in about an example of how I try to always check my own prejudice and my own when I'm stereotyping people and you know that's what lives inside you um so I'm definitely consider myself an ally but at the same time it's hard we're not perfect and the point is to always check yourself and to always be mindful of it and to do better and recognize it so that next time you're not thinking or expressing the same types of prejudice over and over you're learning. Um, and so I find it important that people talk about it because as long as you're trying to do better and recognizing it and, you know, not making the same mistakes over and over, it's okay, but it's just not okay to continue and to think that, oh, well, I voted for Barack Obama, so I'm not racist. Um, so an example was that I live in the front of a townhouse area and I, there's a, next to the driveway where I can see anyone who's coming in for the 18 houses behind me. Um, sometimes, you know, especially in the corner here, I'm kind of boring just looking out the window. And so I can see people coming in. Um, and I don't know everybody that lives here. I don't, you know, many cars who's visiting and somebody drove in and I saw that it was an African-American man driving a car, and for a split second, I didn't say anything out loud. I just thought to myself, like, kind of like, who is that? Like, very suspicious feeling. And right after I had that thought and feeling, I said, oh, my God, you're feeling that and thinking that when there's literally nothing going on that would, you know, promote that. He's just driving his car, probably either lives here, visiting someone, not sure, but not doing anything to actually 
drive my suspicion. So I thought to myself, that's what's happening. You know, don't do that anymore. <laughs> so just wanted to give that example of how it, it happens to all of us. So we all just need to be mindful and try our best to stop it from happening. So thanks for the call. Brittany's best part. Bye. Thank you so much Love for the that show. call. Brittany's the best part. Sorry. I thought you weren't going to... slow. It's slow, I man. I thought you weren't going to do it. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for that call. That was really honest. I wrote down words. Important, honest, and a little bit of bravery in there. Yeah. And this is kind of... These are the conversations that white people are afraid to have. Right? And these are the things that white people are afraid to talk about. And this is really the work that needs to be done. Right? Is white people talking about these things... And then challenging other white people to do the necessary work to ensure they're keeping their biases in check, right? The biases that have been implanted in you from society, from your early childhood education, which, you know, gave you a la-la land version of history, right? Where everyone seems to think that um, (laughs) the civil rights era was peaceful and Martin Luther King was just uh leading the marches and no one got heard and everyone listened and it was a good time for everybody absolutely right and uh i i just really appreciate the open honest discussion there well listen i i think it, it needs to be said remind everybody that bias and racism are two separate things completely separate things and we all we all walk around with our individual biases about all kinds of different things and for white people to recognize the bias and be actively trying to combat it, we have to we have to laud that. We have to to talk about that as a positive because if you're just going through life and you're not even recognizing you're not trying to change it, you're not gonna get any better. You're ne- never gonna better yourself. Um so listen, anonymous caller, um good good, good for you. Yeah, I also wanted to read a quote from Scott Woods because the call reminded me of this this meme that was going around. Celebrities were sharing this. Uh, Sam Richardson, who um, plays on Veep. I forgot the name of his character oh, on Veep. Oh, uh, Richard Splett. Yes, yes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He, he shared I, fucking it. Very funny guy. Yes. So this is the quote. <laughs> uh, by the way, nothing like his character, the actor. Yeah. <laughs> this is the quote from Scott Woods. The problem is that white people see racism as conscious hate, when racism is bigger than that. Racism is a complex system of social and political levers and pulleys set up generations ago to continue working on the behalf of whites at other people's expense, whether whites know slash like it or not. Racism is an insidious cultural disease. It is so insidious that it doesn't care if you are a white person who likes black people. It's still going to find a way to infect how you deal with people who don't look like you. Yeah. Yes, racism looks like hate, but hate is just one manifestation. Privilege is another. Access is another. Ignorance is another. Apathy is another. And so on. So while I agree with people who say no one is born racist, it remains a powerful system that we're immediately born into. It's like being born into air. You take it in as soon as you breathe. It's not a cold that you can get over. There is no anti-racist certification class. It's a set of socioeconomic traps and cultural values that are fired up every time we interact with the world. It's a thing you have to keep scooping out of the boat of your life to keep from drowning in it. I know it's hard work, 
but it's the price you pay for owning everything. Scott Woods. So this also reminds me that we are we are programmed from an early age, and this isn't just a white thing. I think uh, blacks in this country also have to combat this. That the images that we see in the media have programmed us to be fearful of black men. They're they're always cast as burg- burglars. They're cast as pimps and rapists. They're they're cast as criminals, and so that that permeates our worldviews, even if it's a subconscious level. We hear about women clutching their purse a little tighter or crossing the street if to see a black guy coming down the street. All of that is bad, but it's also because of mass media programming that we're subject to. I, I don't know. I, I just, I think we can all do a better job. But but really, like the caller said, the most important aspect of it is recognizing it, being active and recognizing what your biases are and trying to check them. Absolutely. All right. Next call. Thanks for the caller. Thanks for the call. Caller. Next up. Hey, guys. Uh, you might recognize the voice, but um, it's not important who I am. What's important is what's going on right now. And um, you know, I, I asked this question to people on my Facebook. Um, I'm a blonde hair, blue eye, fair skinned white guy. And um, I asked a question Would George Floyd be alive if he was a blonde hair, blue eye, fair skinned white guy? And the answer is yes. Um, and, and, you know, as you guys said, that's, that's the problem. And for 156 years, we've had equal protection with quotation figures right now, equal protection before the law. And I say 156 years because that is 1864 when that was passed. The 13th amendment abolished slavery and then the second part of that amendment Granted, equal protection before the law. 156 years later, and we still don't have it. We still don't. We, we, we still don't. And quite frankly, that's, that's the problem. That's, that's the problem here. Um, and I was, I was talking to uh, a baby boomer, and they said, you know, my generation has messed it up. And I said, yeah, you have. And it's on mine to fix it. It's on the millennials to fix it, and hopefully we can. Thanks for thanks for the show, guys. As always, Brittany's the best part. Love so, the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. I don't want to be the naysayer because I don't disagree with anything there, but I, uh, let me let me get a couple couple fact checks out of the way. There are more active generations than just millennials and boomers right now. I am a Gen Xer, for Mm -hmm, one. mm -hmm. And two, um, just as a very, very um, light touch fact check, the 13th Amendment didn't come in two parts, one being equal equal protection under the law. Uh, The Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution is actually the 14th Amendment. The 13th did free the slaves. But having said that, all of that is true. It was supposed to have been codified in law hundred over 150 years ago. And here we are still struggling, still fighting, still endeavoring 
to have it actually in practice. When we see we when we see um sentences come down from the bench that are far more severe for the same crimes for blacks than whites. It's not equal protection under the law. We're not represented the same way. Mm-hmm. Some good points. Some great points. For sure. Thank you for the call. Another anonymous caller. Uh, I think we have an email. This is from Matt. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. First off, thank you for having these great conversations. In the last few days, and now under curfew here in Costa Mesa. Ah. Ah. Fellow Costa Mesa resident. Costa Mason. I have, Costa Maysite. I have had many conversations with my family and coworkers about the George Floyd murder. Frankly, I'm a mixed ball of emotion. Mostly angry, mostly sad, but a whole lot of anxiety also. So let's talk about cops. A point in discussions that keeps coming up are that, quote, there are many more good cops than bad cops. If that's true, how do we know which ones are good and which are bad? We don't. And that's a very small part of the problem. Also, today, Trump tells governors to basically use more force. So let me get this straight. People are protesting against police brutality, so the answer is more police brutality? I'm so sick. We have zero federal leadership right now. Even Biden is clueless by saying that cops should be trained to just shoot people in the leg. As if they wouldn't bleed out from that. And now I'm just hearing Trump is bringing in the military against our own citizens. Disgusting. Are we at war? Because it sure feels like we are. Thanks for listening. Parenthetically reading. Matt. Yes. Um, I hadn't heard. I don't know if that's true. We'll just put that out there. The Biden said to shoot people in the leg. Come on, man. You shouldn't be firing weapons at someone unless you're intending to kill them. That That's a basic tenet of firing a fucking weapon at something. What do you... You don't think that a leg wound can be a lethal... I mean, anyway, fucking... That, that's just dumb as shit. But um, I, listen, I agree. I think the old... The old tired trope that it's only a few bad apples is really, it's going away. Because you wouldn't, if it's only a few bad apples, all the the army, the overwhelming goodness of all the good cops would push those bad cops out. And that doesn't happen. I, I was going to say it doesn't seem to be happening, but it's clearly not happening. Well, there's so many issues from the... The requirements to be a cop, the length of the training, yeah. right? Um, there's they're, they're clearly not doing enough psychological um, examinations or requirements there either, because you get people coming out of the military who are, have problems that need to be dealt with. Yeah, I mean, we need fewer Vic Mackeys and more, yeah. like, is there an example? I don't know. Who was the cop on Mr. Rogers? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we need more of that. Um, That's kind of what I'm getting at, though. More, like, social work type training for cops. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? So that they can de-escalate situations, be aware of poverty, be aware of inequality, be aware of the different systems that are in play that that create social problems, right? You you nailed it there with the de-escalation thing. The, the the primary focus of police should be de-escalating situations so right. they don't go out of control and then someone ends up dead. Instead, what we see and what we've borne witness to, bared witness to, what we've witnessed, we'll just do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the past 10 days right. has been police escalating situations to violence, 
to riot level violence. Right. Well, and, and, and when you think of working with the general public, the police come into contact with people who are in a terrible situation in their life. Sometimes the lowest moments of their lives. Right. And they may be acting irrationally, erratically, and force physical assault yeah um name calling insults all of those things are going to escalate a conflict you know people who work in psychiatric facilities for example right really mental health employees that work in any clinic or location where there could be an emotional crisis are oftentimes trained in nonviolent crisis intervention yeah and you have Right. And when I worked at the psychiatric hospital that I used to work at, I was trained in it. That was the first time I was trained in it. I've been, you know, updates to my training since. But um, you are trained to, even if someone's hurting you, right, the goal is yeah. not to fight them back because this is someone who is in crisis and it is not your job to beat them up. That also, is not your role. Also, you're the professional. You're the trained professional. Right. You're the trained professional. And that goes for cops, too. If someone is telling you to go fuck yourself because they are in an emotional crisis, you don't tell them to go fuck themselves. You say, okay, sir, we're going to kind of take it down a notch. Right. I hear that you're upset, right? It's not personal. And even if it was, fuck off. Do your goddamn job. And so we need to kind of address that issue right i would like to see more of a social work mentality yes. with cops and also an emphasis on de-escalation but it's tough because it seems like a lot of people who are drawn to it are like ex-military or maybe people who wanted to go into the military but didn't yeah and, yeah, yeah. No, and I, I see your face i didn't make you're a face. right i didn't make a face i perceived a face mm. I don't know about your perceptions, <laughs> but in those, those it's a bunch of fucking Rambo wannabes who couldn't make it in the military, who got out early because they didn't like being told what to fucking do, and now they're cops, and now they're violent cunts on the street. Not all of them, but you know, a fair share. The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. For those people who keep trying to obscure the conversation, though, and say, what about the good cops? We're not talking about that right now, right? What, what we're talking about is that someone, George Floyd, was face down in the street with a cop's knee in his neck for nine minutes. Yeah. And for like three of those minutes, he was unconscious and dead. And a group of people was saying, he's dead. Can you stop doing that and get him help? Yeah. And, and three other cops yeah, yeah, yeah. refused to do anything and kept telling the crowd to shut up and get back. Yeah. So which one of those cops was the good cop? Which one? It seemed like there was a, a ton of good citizens. Right. Who witnessed the same thing the cops were witnessing. Uh, and, and, yeah. but, but if we were talking about good cops, here's what we would see from people in the law enforcement field. And I, I'm connected to cops on social media, and I'll tell you what I've seen. It's a few bad apples. right? Yeah, Rather than condemning what they saw from their law enforcement brothers, yeah. right? They try to defend. That's the first problem, right? That yeah. tells me that you're not a good cop. 
right? A good cop would be out there saying, this is shameful. This doesn't represent us. This doesn't represent me. If I was standing next to him, I would have kicked him off of off of George Floyd, right? I mean, that's what we need to be seeing. But instead, we just see defend, defend, yeah. defend. And that's wrong. Because listen, a good cop is a cop who takes his or her oath seriously. That oath to support and defend the Constitution and to uphold the laws and to protect and to serve. And a good cop, or let's put it, a cop who is not following their oath is not a good cop. And if you allow one of your fellow cops to murder a citizen, you're not abiding by your oath and therefore you're not a good cop. It's fucking simple. And if your first inclination, if you're law enforcement, or if you have a relative who's law enforcement, if your first inclination is, like Brittany just said, to say, oh, it's only a few bad apples, rather than, oh my God, what we just witnessed was horrific, then there's a problem there. A severe, severe deficiency in both um, what is necessary, and also just in basic human empathy. Uh, another email. Thank you for the email. Hello, Jesse and Brittany. This is Kevin from San Antonio, Texas once again, and I am just writing to give my thoughts on George Floyd and the recent protests slash riots in the wake of his murder. I'm typing this to you while on break from my work from home job, feeling very fortunate to have it during the pandemic. It's also why I made the leap to become a Patreon contributor, as I want to support my favorite news podcast. Thanks, Kevin. A little, a little preview of the, <laughs> of the Patreon. Anyways, I'm writing during my break after scrolling through Twitter and seeing just the most obtuse, blatant bootlicking excuses for how police are handling these riots. Right now, I am literally seeing people comment there is a curfew out toward a yeah. video where police are literally pulling citizens out of their car in Austin, Texas, while bashing in the car's windows. The amount of bloodlust people are echoing toward looters is staggering. And to top it all off, some in the queue and conspiracy worlds are saying the murder was entirely staged. At every point in turn, the release of anger and pain that has been building for decades is attempting to be drowned out. But I don't think it is working. Even the NFL, who has been caught with evidence blacklisting Kaepernick, has released a statement in regards to the murder and riots. People are trying to say that these riots are not about George Floyd anymore. They're right. They are about how this brutality toward a community has finally reached a boiling point. They are about the sick and poor, where people of color are affected more by the economic downturn in the pandemic. I don't condone the burning of small businesses, but for chains and police stations, it's time they had their turn. <laughs> Okay. I'm pretty okay with because that. Because <laughs> when people are told they cannot peacefully protest after repeatedly and repeatedly getting murdered, the only way a voice will be heard is to attack the pockets. Target and the NFL were good in issuing out statements, but do these statements boil down to just being sympathetic, or is there also a profit motive behind it? To appear to be with the crowd in an attempt to quickly bring things back to normal. Because I really can't put it better than Chris Cuomo, who I'm not fond of. Ugh, did. fuck that guy. Imagine giving more help and being helped less. Love you too. Hope you are staying safe. The people protesting are the best part. Yeah, you're goddamn right they are, Kevin. You're goddamn right they are. And also, fuck Chris Cuomo. I'm over that fucking guy. He's a fucking person I'm not real fond of right now. I can, <laughs> I can see that. 
Well, you know what's bothering me about it? What did he say the other day about, what do you mean you're an ally? Aren't we all in this together? Shut the fuck up, Chris Cuomo. Why are you separating yourself? Now we have to have allies? Yeah, we got to have allies, you goddamn idiot. Mm-hmm. Other than that, he seems like a pretty cool guy, I guess. <laughs> Also, during the, the 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 beginning of the coronavirus stuff, he was like, "Fear is a choice. Fear's not a choice. You fucking dipshit." Anyway, yeah, I'm not a fan. Well, fuck that guy. I hope Shep gets his job. I that you're you're being quite aggressive about it, but I will say we don't need to play it again. Don't play that drop again. Play what? The 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 disclaimer. I'm not going to play this disclaimer Okay, well, again. you look like your mouse is going wild over there. I don't know what you're after, so... It falls asleep, and then I'm slow to get to the drops I need to drop. What was... What was dis- Don't tell everybody how the show is made. Nobody needs to know about this sausage-making process. What was disappointing to me is Chris Cuomo had his brother, Andrew Cuomo, Governor Andrew Cuomo, on almost every night during the coronavirus pandemic because, well, he's the governor of New York, yeah. and New York was where... You know, the coronavirus was just hot. Yeah, the, the, the it was hot. It was like not, uh, ground hot zero. Spot. Yeah. Not to, to to beat a trope to death with New York and ground zero. But is that uh, is that a trope? You know, ground zero, 9-11. I, I wasn't I, I just. Yeah, I, I'm not trying to make a 9-11 joke. It just came out. And, I see. Oh, you're just yeah. trying to clarify that you weren't. Yeah. Making yeah. A joke, so um, but the like I mean, I'm not above making a 9-11 joke. That just wasn't one. The brotherly ha-ha thing every night was a little much. You yeah, know? It, it's, it's just it, if you're going to be a journalist, then it's be a journalist. Too, it's and, too much like digging on each other. Like, well, we get it. We get it. Well, it's also not holding Andrew Cuomo accountable. Absolutely it's not. It's giving him a pass yeah. because of the brother ha-ha. So that was disappointing. But we appreciate Kevin. Uh, Kevin's a longtime listener. Very much appreciate you. And thank you for that message. Absolutely. All right, next call. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. Uh, this is Eric in the Midwest again. Thought I'd drop a line because I just got done listening to number six, episode 677. And, you know, it's one of those ones where you listen to and you say, after the Martin Luther King statement, you're like, yeah, we've been here before, haven't we? And we keep going round and round and doing the same old thing in this country. Not trying to lighten it up or trying to be funny, but here we go again. Uh, it's just, you know, it's it's just so disheartening in that aspect. You, even even when you had the dueling Coopers in Central Park about a freaking dog leash of all things and common decency there, what did she do? She weaponizes the police against a black man. And where did we, we, you know, at one time, this was a story, a fictional story called To Kill a Mockingbird. Remember that? By Harper Lee? And what did the Yules do against Tom Robinson? They weaponized the police and the justice system against a black man because they know they had that power. And that's why it's just racism. That's all it is because, you know, white elitism or white privilege can do that. Uh, it's... It's where we're at, and it's got to change, of course. Good luck. Talk to you later. Bye. So, I, I don't know. I feel like th- this voicemail is embodied by our new drop. It's all the fuck we need. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. L- let me say this to you, Eric. And for those of you out here who, who are really resonating with Eric and his 
the deep sigh and the the it's almost like uh despondency this will result in progress it seems like we're, we're it's two steps back but trust me believe me when i say this is what it takes for progress to happen difficult times are what churn out progress if it hadn't been for the tragic senseless death of george floyd and the world seeing it we'd still be where we were two weeks ago feeling like oh the coronavirus it's because we witnessed it that shit's gonna change maybe not as much as we'd like it's not gonna be the full meter but it's gonna be a few steps it's going to be a little bit of a distance you know the 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 moral arc of the universe is long but it bends toward justice these are those moments that we're bending it just a little bit more so take heart that we are making some progress one frustrating thing for me has been encountering people who keep saying this is not a race issue Ugh. This yeah. this is cops do this to white people too. Of course they do. You had um uh, what's his name? The guy who writes like Christian um articles online about how you should like never the, have sex and the, do, Matt, the women should do dishes Matt in the Walsh? kitchen. Yeah, Matt Walsh. Sh- Sean's favorite guy? Yeah, yeah, him. Sean from Missouri? Yeah, he <laughs> he he tweeted some news story of a white man that was killed by the police and he's like why wasn't this covered and then everyone was responding to him with how it was covered in like every major news media outlet (laughs) which i love when people do that right this won't get picked up by the mainstream media and then you turn on cnn and they're talking about it at that very moment you know (laughs) that has happened to me many times where i'll read a tweet the mainstream media is not even talking about this and i look up from the tweet and it's fucking my favorite guy, Chris Cuomo, mm-hmm. talking about it. Well, people are starting to reference this um, article that was in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences of the United States of America, a very reputable journal. And the title is Risk of Being Killed by Police Use of Force in the United States by Age, Race, Ethnicity, and Sex. And this was from August 2019. They found that about one in every 1,000 black men can expect to be killed by the police. Wow. One in 1,000. And for white men, it's about one in 2,500. That's about right to the numbers that I just... I I did a video that's going to be out on on Friday rebutting the Candace Owens bullshit. And the Washington Post has been covering shootings in America across races and across whether you're armed or not. And their data says 4.9 per million black men are, unarmed black men are killed by police. Mm -hmm. 4.9 and 1.1 white men per million. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's two, it's four times greater. You have a four times greater likelihood when you're unarmed of dying when you're black at the hands of the police than white. Well, and also black people are also more likely to experience um physical use of force yeah, from the police sure. as well and this was from a new york times article today quote about 20 percent of minneapolis's population of four hundred and thirty thousand is black but when the police get physical 
with kicks, neck holds, punches, shoves, takedowns, mace, tasers, or other forms of muscle, nearly 60% of the time, the person subject to that force is black. Yeah. And that is according to the city's own figures. Now, listen. Unless you think it's only black men who are who who are on the shitty end of the stick related to our society, remember the times that we've talked about young black girls in school, elementary age black girls get suspended and expelled from school at exorbitantly higher rates than whites because teachers view them as older and more mature mm-hmm. and, and and more responsible for the things that they do. Right. But little white girls innocent oh little mary little karen she didn't know this is uh, this runs the gamut where black people are fucking abused in america and i mean this is data you know and so it's it's frustrating when i hear people talk about this and then i you know provide this information (laughs) and it's like yeah i talked to somebody who said something that didn't say that you've been going on a tear on facebook lately i like it yeah, it hasn't been good for me. I'm being, oh, okay. I'm being, well, remi- well, I'm being reminded of why I stopped, you know, yeah. and, but I want to keep going because I, and I don't want to discourage people. I'm sorry to kind of be taking a turn to negative town here. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I, I think it's important, right? Yeah. And, and I think we do have the power to shift and mold people's perspectives. Listen, I'm not perfect, you know? I got blocked by someone who used to sit next to me in 12th grade government who has, like, not updated their political views for 15 years. And Well, they haven't read a book in probably 20. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but it, it, I, I just... I start to feel frustrated, you know, because if I hadn't accepted people telling me that I was wrong and if I hadn't accepted education, I might still walk around telling people the Holocaust didn't happen. Sure. Um, And I'm just so thankful that people got to me when I was still malleable. And that you were willing to accept new information. And that's part of it, too. You can't. Take your extricate yourself from the equation. Yeah, I appreciate that, but I also I get worried, right? Because I look at adults and I wonder, is it too late? Yeah, yeah. you know, like is it because the the humility is kind of taken out of it, right? There's this position of I've made it this long, how could I be wrong about this stuff? And it's like, yeah, but you are. Yeah, well, they're just so fiercely relying and being so loyal to their own viewpoint. And I don't mean viewpoint as though I believe this. I mean viewpoint the way they view the world. Yeah. And I, you know, I always wonder because I, I've historically been pretty mouthy and I. <laughs> You're a bossy lady. Yeah. People who, people who grew up with me, I'm sure remember me being very bossy and antagonistic and yeah. I'm sure very, I was, I was not great a lot of the time when I was young. Um, and that's unfortunate, but I've always been very opinionated. And when I was younger, those opinions were very uninformed. And so it has evolved, but I've like continued to be very opinionated. Hey, fuckers, I'm trying to talk here. And I wonder sometimes if people are like, you know, think that just because I've continued to be opinionated that I haven't changed or evolved, you know, that you've continued to be opinionated, but they might just assume the opinions haven't changed when 
dramatically they've changed. You don't hold the same the same opinions that you held yeah, when that, you were a kid, and they do the exact same opinion. Yeah, because I think when people look at opinionated, whatever that means, people, they think that person's not willing to admit they're wrong, that person's not willing to accept new evidence, and yeah, it's like, no, sure. I'm I'm in these threads dying for people to challenge the central thesis of my comment, and they just refuse. Right? Well, they, maybe they, stop using the phrase central thesis of my comment because they don't understand that you're talking about dummies from idaho and well that's not everyone in idaho is dumb no that's I, i'm not that's not something i said well it... i said you're talking about dummies from idaho okay all right i don't Clearly know not everybody from idaho is dumb i know but it could sound a little dickish my little for people brother who lives there there's yeah. at least one person <laughs> No, but anyway, it's so it just gets frustrating because I I am someone who has had to change and evolve. And listen, if if you're not looking back at your Facebook posts from a couple years ago and going, oh, my God, what is wrong with me? If you're not constantly scrubbing it. Yeah, then then you're not you're not growing. Right. Yeah, you're not sure. growing. And, and I think we just need to uh, make more room for that. Make more room for people to to change and update their opinions. It's OK. You know? I knew you were gonna do that. How right. dare you? Moving on. Support for Dollamore <laughs> comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Before I read these names. We pushed this list a couple, at least two episodes. Yeah, but before I read this list, I just want to, I want to let everybody know. If I fail to pronounce your name correctly, it is only because of my dumbness. And I so apologize. Yost might. Feel free to send in a voice memo of how to pronounce your name if I mess it up, okay? Raina had to do this to us. Right, yes. And I, I will. And she stuck around. She's still around. I think she still listens to the show. Y- you think? <laughs> All right. Bill. Bill. Cole. I think it's Bile. No, it's Bill. <laughs> Bill. Cole. Thorolfur. Thorolfur. Laura. Laura. Morticia Lily. Morticia Lily. Andrew. Andrew. Roberta. Roberta. Dalton. Dalton. Kevin. Kevin! Michael. Michael. Donalyn. Donalyn. Charles. Charles. Parenthetically Tony. Parenthetically Tony. Matt. Same person. Matt. Roy. Roy. And we would like to thank... Blizzard Fingers 35 guy. Blizzard Fingers 35 guy. For increasing his pledge. Fan fucking tastic. Beautiful. Thank you so much, you guys. We could not do this without you. We very much appreciate you. Thank you so much for your support. Hey, we got the stickers in today. Yes. So new. Not new. They're the same old stupid design. Which but should I say? I I want I want to design new a new sticker. And I'll toss a couple hundred bucks at somebody if they want to, if they know how to use the, like, Adobe Illustrator or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we just need new stickers, and I'm a dumb guy who doesn't know what he's doing, so. A talentless hack, as they say. So if you were expecting stickers, be on the lookout for that, because they will be coming your way. Yes. 
Remember, though, there are other ways that you can support the show. One is by contributing to the massive expansion of wealth of Jeff Bezos by going to dollamore.com slash Amazon. If you're going to spend your money with Amazon, if you're going to spend your money there anyway, why not help your favorite show filled with news, news. and r- ridiculous comment? Now, the reason that's a good thing is because you're taking some money out of his pockets and he has to give a little bit to us. The other way is tell a friend, tell a relative, turn someone else onto the show. And while you're doing that or after you've done that, go over to the old Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show there because that is a way for us to reach a vastly larger number of individuals to bring them into the community of podcast listeners. Thank you. We love you. Moving on. Democracy, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So Donald Trump vowing to deploy the military onto the streets of the United States of America was without a doubt met by crickets. Crickets, here we go. Crickets from the Republicans. Uh, yeah. These fucking cowards. Mm-hmm. Well, and you even have, so Mattis came out, right? And Yes. Former sp- Secretary of Defense, former four-star general Marine Corps, universally loved and revered. He came out and issued a tremendous... Scathing. Yes. <laughs> uh, rebuke of Donald Trump. And boy, was Donald Trump not happy. But this <laughs> this was all surrounding what the previous emailer talked about. I believe it was Matt. About Donald Trump referring to using the military. Yeah, yeah. Right? Against peaceful protesters. Right? People out out in the streets using their First Amendment rights to speak out against police brutality. Using the Insurrection Act of 1807. Uh, What is he doing? 1807. Thomas Jefferson was president. Yeah, so Mattis came out against it, right? But and you kind of have to wonder with these people, right? Where have you been, Mattis? Yeah. Well, he's he's spoken up, but he's only got so much of a platform. He just, you know, what's he going to do? But I don't know. Maybe I know, I'll, maybe I know. I'm defending him because he was a marine. I don't know. That's what I think is happening. Yeah. Because you should do more, right? And now you have like Lisa Murkowski very lightly massaging an agreement with Mattis. As she normally does. Yeah, and yeah. Her it, and Susan Collins. Yeah, but it's, it's just not enough, right? And so here is a montage, okay, of Republicans walking by reporters. And they're trying to ask them, hey, guys, what do you think about what's happening with Donald Trump, right? He tear-gassed peaceful protesters to clear the crowd for his photo op. So he could walk across the street to a church that he continuously repeats that's been burned down as he's standing in front of a church that wasn't burned down. There was a small fire in the basement. Right. As he holds the Bible upside down and then someone asks, (laughs) is it your Bible? And he says, it's a Bible. (laughs) It's a Bible. Yeah. Can't tell you where it came from, but it showed up. So anyway, um, this clip is, like Brittany says, a montage of different Republican senators being asked. It's it's Pat Roberts. It's Mitt Romney. Even Mitt Romney won't commit to an answer. And you can't hear everybody's names, but no, 
these are big names in the Republican Party who still, after what was clearly a violation of his power, clearly a violation of people's rights, these cowards, these fucking coward Republicans still, oh, sorry, I'm late for lunch. Oh, what? I don't know enough about it. Well, I'm a fucking clueless ostrich with my head in the sand. Listen to this. The president did last night the right thing to do. What the president did, the peaceful protesters that were dispersed with tear gas, he then walked across the street to the church. Was that the right thing to do? Was what the president did last night right? A lot of Was what the president answer. did and what unfolded at the White House last night appropriate? Senator Roberts. Was what, yep. the pres- was what the president did last night at St. John's, was that appropriate? Was clearing the protesters an abuse of power? I'm sorry? Uh, I don't know what I'm about. I wasn't there, so I didn't see exactly what happened. But I, I mean, I think that he was just trying to make a point. Um, so, and it's hard in, in, a, in a polarized environment like this, so. You don't have any comment on what happened at the White House last night? Senator Enzi, are you concerned at all about what happened at the White House last night? I did not think that what we saw last night was the American Senator Portman, do you think what we saw last night at the White House, was it an abuse of power, what we saw last night outside the White House? By the protesters, yes. By the violence, yes. You know, I've heard conflicting things about, well, they, the president, uh, the Park Service, the Secret Service didn't know that the president was going to come through. So I don't know what the actual facts are. I think those would be useful things to find out. The only one who said anything that was even decent was Murkowski, which was, that's not the country I know. But then today she said she's really struggling with whether or not to support Trump in 2020. So my big question is, what is it going to take? Right. Nothing. There's nothing that he can do that will turn them on him. Well, and, and th- this is what's uh, terrifying. Right. And I read an article recently and they compared the career tra- trajectories of Lindsey Graham and Mitt Romney. Yeah. Right. And when you read those two resumes next to each other and then you kind of reach this endpoint of, OK, where do you think these two dudes would stand on Donald Trump in 2020? You just wouldn't think that Lindsey Graham would be the one who yeah. is licking the boot, right? He, and really, there is no more apt a descriptor than bootlicker. He really is. He's just taking one for the team. And so it's just it's remarkable the ways in which these Republicans are are failing yeah. in in just their moral duty, right, to the country. And I hope that their constituents are paying attention. I hope that they can be voted out of office, right, depending on where they're from, um, because there needs to be consequences, not just for removing Donald Trump, but also for the Republicans that have been silent, yes. who have been complicit. And we cannot forget the way that they have behaved through this because they're helping him. They're helping him do all this damage. Not only through legitimizing him. But also through their votes. Right. Through, through, I, I, it is wildly frustrating. I mean, to say it's frustrating is just, come on, get the fuck out of here. Of course it's frustrating. It's, it's maddening. <laughs> I like it how it is you, fucking maddening. I like how you're telling yourself to get the fuck out of yeah, here. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes <laughs> I need to get the fuck out of here. 
<laughs> anyway, so what transpired the other night where they cleared protesters with tear gas and then denied using CS gas, but then there's pictures of canisters of CS. And they're all wearing the... the uh... Gas masks. Gas masks. Yeah. Why couldn't I even so, think I, of gas masks? I, I, well, you know, it's been a long day. So <sighs> what we're going to do, I'm going to play immediately after Donald Trump's speech where he vowed to sick the military on muni- muni- municipalities <laughs> all over the country. Right. Anderson Cooper followed with a couple of minutes of awesome analysis and audio that we need to share. If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve the problem for them. So a lot to unpack there. The president threatening to use unprecedented military force on U.S. soil while offering a preview of it on the streets of Washington. Now, you might wonder why did the police, why were they ordered to move on protesters at that moment? Obviously, the president wanted a photo op. And in a moment, right after he spoke, we learned exactly what that photo op would be. The president wanted peaceful protesters, the kind he said he just supports. He wanted them out of the way for his photo op. It was simultaneously outrageous and dangerous. Now, that's the president starting his very short walk to a nearby church. Uh, with him were uh, Ivanka Trump, who you'll probably see at one moment. She's in high heels clutching a white purse. The defense secretary, Mark, uh, was there. Mark Meadows, the new chief of staff. All of them in a very kind of scatterbrained way walking to a nearby church for a photo op. And then I want to show you what actually happened once the president got to the church. Even if it meant tear gassing peaceful protesters, hitting them with flashbangs, pepper spray and rubber bullets, somebody handed the president that Bible and then he stood there and that was it. That was the photo op. The church itself is shut down. We're a great country. That's my thought. That was his photo op. And then, really awkwardly, he asked the attorney general, the defense secretary, really anybody else he could kind of get to come into. Kelly McEnany was dragged into this, uh, into this photo op uh, to stand in front of St. John's Episcopal Church, not to pray, not to confess, certainly. We know the president doesn't do that. No, he went to just stand outside, hold up the Bible, and then have photos taken of himself with his cabinet members. It was surreal. A photo op at the church that he rarely attends. His daughter and son-in-law also on hand. Let me just say something about what the president has just shown us. The president of law and order, as he now calls himself, that which is how he pronounced himself, and then he claimed a power he doesn't really have. He can't send the military into every state. That's, that's not law and order. What the president doesn't seem to know or care is that the vast majority of those protesting, they too are calling for law and order. A black man killed with four officers holding him down, a knee to the neck, for more than eight minutes, nearly three minutes of which he was no longer conscious for. That's not law and order. That's murder. Stopping and frisking a young black man simply because he's a young black man, that's not law and order. The killing of George Floyd, Eric Garner, the torture of Abner Louima, that's not law and order. The president seems to think that dominating black people, dominating peaceful protesters is law and order. It's not. He calls them thugs. Who is the thug here? Hiding in a bunker? Hiding behind a suit? Who is the thug? People have waited for days for this wannabe wartime president to say something. And this is what he says 
and that is what he does. I've seen societies fall apart as a reporter. I've seen people dying in the streets while protesting. I've seen countries ripped apart by hate and misinformation and lies and political demagogues and racism. We can't let that happen here. Of course, violence is no answer, but people protesting deserve answers, and they haven't gotten them. No matter how many black men have been murdered, lynched, imprisoned, mistreated, redlined, blackballed from jobs, we all know it. People protesting in the streets, they know it, and they're tired of it, and we should be too. There's a curfew in New York tonight at 11 p.m., and we remember another curfew, August 1943. That was the last time there was a curfew like this in the city. And you know what that curfew was caused by? 1943, a white police officer shooting a black soldier. The years change, the decades go by, and the sad truth remains. I love this because particularly what he talked about related to law and order, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is a phrase that Donald Trump loves. Yeah. And it's uh, often referred to as a dog whistle because we know what he means when he says yeah, it. We also know what Nixon meant when he said it. And right. all these other idiots throughout the South during Jim Crow, what they meant when they said it. But Anderson highlights an important point because what, what they consider law and order tells us more about their white supremacy. Yes. Right? Yeah. That they don't see George Floyd's murder as an injustice and a violation of law and order. Right? Otherwise, you'd be hearing about it, right? Well, also the fact that no one mentioned in the administration mentioned George Floyd and the travesty that took place. Mm -hmm. The tragedy that was his death until protests started. Mm -hmm. Silence. Right. Fucking crickets. Right. But then they use it as a vehicle to shit on. They use his name, invoking his name as a vehicle to shit on uh demonstrators right well and i had an interesting exchange because i'm i'm connected to someone who primarily posts about political issues and current events and regarding these the week-long demonstration now uh against racism and systemic racism in policing this person was silent right despite the fact that they primarily post about political issues and current events yeah they they purport to be up on the news right but they they're a trump supporter and they finally shared something about it but it was about rioting and damaged property yeah yeah, yeah. okay and so my question to this person was what message do you think it sends when someone who is active and primarily posting about political issues and current events fails to post about the week-long demonstrations against police brutality and racism, but then chooses to post about riots and damaged property. Like, t or tell me what message you think that didn't sends. Didn't even mention the death, the widely publicized nine, eight and a half minute um, murder of a United States citizen. Silence. Nothing. Right. And one of the responses I got from someone who was trying to defend the person <laughs> yeah, right. was that... That the person who posted was trying to draw attention to the fact that the point of the peaceful protests was being obscured by the rioting. Mm. And I said, so why is this person who's posting contributing to obscuring the point of the peaceful protests by right. talking about the damaged property? Like, come right. on. We know what the answer is, and it's not that. It's racism. We know what you're doing. And you know what you're doing. Yeah. And I'm shocked by how many people are willing to do it. Right? Be open with their racist views. Still. 
online. Yeah, I'm I'm less shocked by it. I'm less surprised by it because what we've seen is an uptick of acceptance of people being right out in the open because Donald Trump, every time you see one of these idiot videos, it's someone invoking for no reason Donald Trump's name. Donald Trump wants you out of here, foreigner. I mean, it's this is the this is the environment that he's created. He's fostered. He is he is encouraged. Right. And continues to do so. Yeah. Absolutely. With every statement he makes, every tweet he fires off. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up with this. Laura Ingram. Laura Ingram. Now, she's been here before. (laughs) Yeah, she has. But this time, it is because of her hypocrisy, right? Yeah, but not not just any hypocrisy. It's like... It's like chef's kiss hypocrisy. Yeah, well, it's her racist hypocrisy. Yeah, And so years ago, she criticized LeBron James, and it became a viral moment because she said the phrase, shut up and dribble. Well, she wrote a book called, like, Shut Up and Sing or Shut Up and Dribble. It was about celebrities who sound off about their liberal political beliefs. Right. Yeah. And I mean, she still she told a black man who was speaking out about his political opinions to shut up and dribble. That's right. Yeah. You know, Drew Brees came out and made some comments about his views on the flag and the protests. (laughs) Yeah, he sure did. And we're going to just play a little mashup here of Laura Ingram's opinions. First, we have Drew Brees making the comments that he made. Everyone is looking back now at. Kaepernick's protests from a few years ago, and obviously they were always about police brutality, and now it's coming back to the fore, and a lot of people expect that we will see players kneeling again even when the NFL season starts. I'm curious how you think the NFL will and should respond to that, and of course, you're such a leader in the league. Uh, What is your responsibility as a leader uh, in times like this for the rest of your teammates and, and players in the league? Well, I, I will. I will never agree with anybody um, disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. Um, let me let me just tell you what I see or what I feel when the national anthem is played and when I look at the the flag of the United States. I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, one in the Army and one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country and to try to make our country and this world a better place. So every time I stand with my hand over my heart, looking at that flag and singing the national anthem, that's what I think about. And in many cases, it brings me to tears, thinking about all that has been sacrificed, not just those in the military, but for that matter, those throughout the civil rights movements of the 60s and everyone and all that has been endured by so many people up until this point. And is everything right with our country right now? No, it's not. We still have a long way to go. But I think what you do by standing there and showing respect to the flag with your hand over your heart is it shows unity. It shows that Mm, we are all in this together. We can all do better. And that we are all part of the solution. So that's what he had to say. And now let's hear what Laura Ingram's view is when it comes to black players, black sports players, 
black sports players. <laughs> the players of the sports. You know, I'm not good when it comes to the sports no, talk, okay? Seriously, you need to be an ESPN commentator. Football players, baseball players, I basketball think, players. Should I, I, spe- should I specify no, the sport? I think the athletes, the athletes. Oh, right, athletes. That she's speaking about are both basketball players. It's always unwise to seek political advice from someone who gets paid $100 million a year to bounce a ball. Oh, and LeBron and Kevin, you're great players, but no one voted for you. Millions elected Trump to be their coach. So keep the political commentary to yourself, or as someone once said, shut up and dribble. Yeah, she's the fucking worst. So unhappy with the political opinions of black men. Yes. Now let's hear how she reacted to Drew Brees. I'm assuming that she wants him to shut up and throw the football. Oh, I was waiting to see what you, what descriptor you <laughs> give a little to kick it. for the ball He's into not, the net. N- not a kicker. Not there's really no net. Run the quarterback time. He's a little too small to be running around. He's a little guy. Is he a quarterback? Yes. Well, I got that right. <laughs> Why are you being evasive with the part that I got right? All right. Here's Laura Ingram on uh, Drew Brees. I'm sure she said, shut your fucking mouth and throw the ball. Well, he's allowed to have his view about what <laughs> kneeling and the flag means to oh. him. I mean, oh. he's a person. Oh. He has some worth, I would imagine. Oh. I mean, this is beyond football, though. This is totalitarian totalitarian mm. conduct. This Mm -hmm. is Stalinist. Mm. And by the way, on the streets of New Orleans, we're looking at live pictures. They're shouting F Drew Brees. That's what what this moment has done to the beautiful team spirit of the New Orleans This is a great, he's a great Christian man. Oh, there it is. Well, no. Apparently, (laughs) apparently LeBron is a filthy, dirty atheist. Right. Um, so we clearly know what's going on here. But but how I, well, no, no, how bold no, is she to analyze. say he's a person? He's a person. He has opinions. He has value. He has value. Listen, what is the difference between LeBron James and Drew Brees? What? Mm. I wonder. Mm, Interesting. It's a tough nah, one. Yeah, yeah. What is it? What could it be? Hmm. Is it a height difference? There is a height difference. Mm-hmm. Is there any other distinguishing characteristic, visual well, that that might? Is it? I think it's because Drew Brees is white. Ah. Is yeah, it? Yeah. And LeBron James is black. I don't know. And Laura Ingram is a racist. That seems like a far-fetched reason, Brittany. Mm. I don't know. Well. Shut up and dribble. He's a person with value. Get the fuck out of here, you filthy Fox News racist. So LeBron James tweeted about this. He retweeted the video. And he said, if you still haven't figured out why the protesting is going on. Yeah. Why we're, why we're acting as we are is because we are simply effing tired of the... That's it. He wrote FN. Tired of this treatment right here. Can we break it down for you any simpler than this right here? Yeah. And to my people, don't worry. I won't stop until I see change. That's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. In other words. Hashtag shut up and dribble this powerful black man coming full steam. Yeah. He will continue to dribble. Los Angeles Laker. Not Golden State Warrior, by the way. The opening drop of the show. Never been a Warriors fan. 
just so everyone knows, I need it on the record. Mm-hmm. That I've been a Lakers fan since like 1983. Back in the day. <laughs> anyway. You're proud of that. That's a, uh, anyway. No, just one day we were at a bar and the guy was like, I told him my teams. Yeah, yeah. And they're all, they were all successful in the 80s. Oh. And he was like, oh, how convenient. Because they just so happened to be doing well in that moment a few years ago. Oh, I see. Yeah, people are... Lakers, Detroit Tigers, you know. Yeah. No, I don't know. But um, people have... Football, you know, it's Redskins. Fucking racist-ass bullshit. I can't even rep my own team anymore. I understand the names and the type of sport, but I... Wow, you are... I there's like a weird thing that people have about like loyalty to the team and how you choose who your team yeah, is. Yeah, it doesn't and, like, make any sense. There's no all kinds make of stuff. Sense. It it also doesn't really matter. Um, so oh, you almost had it. That's part of it. I think that's part of it. It's <laughs> maybe. All right, look, we're gonna end the show because now you're just now it's just a a deluge of of shit just piling on to Jesse D. <laughs> Nobody likes that, Brittany. Page. You'll be fine. You'll Nobody be fine. likes that. I think you'll be okay. Anyway, we haven't dropped the phone number. I don't think the entire episode. We'd love to know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. Help us move the conversation forward. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Of course, you can always email a voice memo. From your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We don't say it enough, even though we say it a lot, that we love you guys. We appreciate you. That this show is not a two-person operation. If you listen, if you interact with the show, you're part of this too. Team effort. So we can all just dribble and keep moving our mouths. Anyway, we'll see you next time. We love you guys. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu.